You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. We are starting for just three weeks. This is the first time I've ever talked about this in our church. You ready? A short sermon series on generosity. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'll be thinking the same thing. Oh, here we go. We knew this was coming. Here's another pastor trying to guilt us into giving money or make us feel about what we don't put in the offering plate. Well, hear me out. First of all, of course, we know that churches like ours need contributions to continue to grow and sustain and function as a church. Of course, you can put two and two together. No dummy thinks that churches run without money. But here's the thing that, that, and, and that we have to realize about this. Um, and, and churches don't, that don't have contributions don't last long. We have been blessed so much in our church, especially from outside donors, but we haven't had to worry about that to this point. And of course that's true, but there's something far more important at our church than your wallet, and that is your heart. Because when Jesus talks about money, he's always talking about this connection between your heart and your money. And, but, and he talks about money a lot. He talks about giving a lot. It will amaze you when you add up how many times Jesus talked about money in there, uh, but not in the ways that the other religious people were talking about. It wasn't even close. And definitely, Jesus didn't talk about money the way that a lot of churches talk about nowadays. Because he knew if we were ever going to give generously, our hearts would have to be transformed. Because generosity is not just about money. Ultimately, it's not about money. People that I know that are generous, it has little to do with money. But it has to do with all our life resources, including our time, serving others, things that pertain to our relationships, like the attention that we give other people, our affections, how we use our possessions outside of that. So let's dive in today. And I would say, give it the benefit of the doubt that it won't sound like any other sermon on giving that you've ever heard in your life. And if it does, I'll give you your money back. No, I'm just kidding. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be looking at... Uh, few verses here, it may be easier, instead of flipping back and forth, for you just to use the verses that are in here. And always we have them printed in the order of worship. We're going to talk about the idea uh, of three things today. We're going to look at Matthew and uh, passage from John and then 2 Corinthians. So let me read those to you today, and we'll talk about this for a little while. We're going to talk about the, the God of generosity. That's what we're going to talk about today. Look at our verses. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, here it is again, your heart will be also. Look at verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then finally our last verse for the day. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet he became poor, so that you might by his poverty become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, give me wisdom today as we talk about these ideas. Uh, make our hearts soft uh, to the things that you would have us to see from your word, not from me. I have no authority. 
but resting in your word. Send your spirit of truth and grace upon us today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you haven't noticed, uh, it actually came across my news feed um, either yesterday or today that the, uh, the Mega Millions is going to be, by Tuesday, they're estimating $1.55 billion. Not million. Billion. And if you're like me, and we're all human, we've all, at some point in our life, asked, what would it look like if I won the lottery? If you're human or you're honest, you've got to say, yeah, I've asked that question. We all have. And I'm not talking about a million dollars. I'm talking about what you're talking about there, like $1.55 billion. But there's a thing that came out just not, not too long ago that talked about lessons learned from those that have won the lottery. And there's several things that they talked about there. That there was a common pattern, almost universally, with people that won the lottery. One of the things they talked about is that they were shocked that they were actually looked down by the people that had earned their wealth. I Means one person said they had a party, they moved into this extravagant neighborhood, everybody was rich around them, they invited everybody to the 4th of July party, nobody came because they said, you didn't earn your money. I would have never thought about that. Uh, another thing is, is, they said that you will be so sick of money questions. It will, you'll be tired of it. You'll be thinking, you're always thinking about money. You're always being asked questions. You're always like, people are always asking you, what are you going to do with your money? You're going to give me some money. That's what people do. Another thing it talks about is your friends change with your lifestyle. Everybody's either going to be asking you for money or everybody's going to resent you because you have money. Um, and the greed can be destruction, destructive in your own life. And the winners are, uh, are not only the winners, but also the family. And, and ultimately, the biggest thing that they said is it just destroys relationships. Why? Because either money changed these people or the people around them began to change uh, and they thought of themselves in a different way or, or others thought of them in terms of dollar signs. But last but not least, this idea of winning the lottery, do you realize the stats on that is 70% of people that win lottery, no matter how much they win, 70% go bankrupt in five years. Now, I know what you're thinking. I think it all the time, too. Like, that wouldn't be me. Like, I would be wiser than that, of course. You know, I wouldn't do all that. 70%, the stats prove that 70% of y'all in this room would do exactly the same thing. You would be bankrupt in five years. I don't care what you think about yourself. This is the stats. But it's funny because... The bottom line that we realize through this, it's not about money or the lottery or anything like that. Wealth is not the answer to our problems. It's not the answer to our problems, no matter what we think our problems are. And money exposes our hearts. The Bible talks about it again and again and again. So let's talk about that today. We're going to look at three points. They're not going to be that long of a point. The first one's a little longer than the other ones. Look at this first thing. Let's talk about what we do with our treasure. What we do with our treasure as humans. Look at verse, uh, the first passage there. It says, uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I remember talking to a good friend of mine about five years ago. He's a financial advisor. And I asked him, I said, man, you see a lot of, of people in different situations. I said, what's one thing that you've kind of learned as the predominant principle of dealing with people? And he said, I've learned this. The same financial uh, habits that people have when they have $20,000, 
are the same financial habits they usually have when they have $200,000 and are the same that have when they, if they have $2 million. Fascinating to me. I mean, the idea of how you budget, how you think about money, how generous, he said, doesn't really change. Now, how can that be? Well, here's how. Because the way we view and spend our money, our possessions, our treasure, as this talked about here, is not rooted ever in how much you have. It's always rooted in our heart, what we love and what we value. In this passage, it talks about the idea that the idea behind it is this. And uh, if you go back in the literal translation, it says, don't treasure for yourself treasures on earth, treasure for yourself treasures in heaven. Which makes sense intellectually, and we, we, we acknowledge that sometimes, like, yes, I know, heaven's better than, than earth and all of this, but James, money's important. I mean, we gotta pay bills. <laughs> we gotta buy things. We feel secure when we're financially sound. We feel a freedom when we pay off debt. And this heavenly treasure stuff that they're, they're talking about here, that seems so abstract in this way. What does it mean? Well. The first thing it doesn't mean is money. We're not having use for money in heaven. That's not what heaven's all about. We're in a new heaven and new earth. Not only that, the treasure's not even going to be about gold and silver. I've heard people today, you're, you're going to live in a big house and the streets are going to be painted in gold and all that. And I'm not saying that's not true. It's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be spacious. And all these things are true. But the only thing that makes gold and silver valuable is what? That it's precious and it's rare. And if it's everywhere in heaven, it does not worth anything. It'd be like gravel. So what is this treasure in heaven thing if it's not money or it's not gold or it's not riches in that way? First of all, what's being talked about here, and like a lot of sermons I've heard, it's not about all the, the well, you just got to be dirt poor here and just give, 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 and then God gives you these things back in heaven you have all this gold. It's not that. What it means is this. It means investing in the things that matter the most in heaven. It means investing in things that matter the most in heaven. So what are the things that matter the most in heaven? People, relationships, serving and giving the causes that are the same causes of God. Whether it's in the church or outside the church, there are things that are going to last forever and there's things that are simply not. And at some point we have to ask ourselves, which one are we investing in and why? Because at that point, you're not evaluating your dollar signs. You're not evaluating how much you're giving. At that point, you're taking inventory of your heart. See, when Jesus talks about treasure, he's pointing something in your heart that you think, man, if I had this, it makes it all worth it. So the question, first question today is, what gives you and me a sense of value and identity? What is the thing that, that we would say in our life, man, if I just had this, it would make it all worthwhile? If I have this, everything would be okay. Jesus asked us to consider the question, if you lost everything except for a blank, and you would still be satisfied, what would that be? If you still had security and peace, if you lost everything except for a blank, what would it be? This is what it's talking about here when it's talking about investing in that. Because, see, we all treasure somebody or something. We have to. We are worshiping creatures. You're going to worship something if you don't worship God. And our hearts are idol factories, as somebody has said before. Your treasure may be money, security, a job, or another person that you think you can't live without. But all of these fall into the category of things that can be taken away. And what are you going to do about your security then? What are you going to do about your identity and your status then? 
You will never know radical freedom from pride and fear until you break the hold of whatever that idol is. With that in mind, what does the Bible say the most treasured thing in heaven is? Jesus. What does that mean, though? What Jesus is saying is, I'm your treasure. Jesus is the currency that will never be devalued or eaten up by inflation. He gives you a status that the world can never take away or that you will never lose. And he gives you a power that the world can't reconcile and be against. He gives you a security that you can't lose, an identity. Jesus is saying, I'm the treasure. If I'm the treasure of your life, you're going to be rich no matter what. You could be outrageously rich, financially secure, have a standing with the world. And he's saying, without me, you will become in your life and on a deep way bankrupt. So let's look at our second point. The other points are not as long as that, by the way. What does God do with his treasure? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what did God do in his response to the way that he loved us? He gave. What did he give? Well, like, who did he give? His greatest treasure. His son. Jesus, his only son. You think about it. We are never more like God than when we're generous. God is the, the first being and the most generous person that's ever been in existence. His nature is generosity and his being. Everything we've seen in the story of God, when you read the Bible, in the history of the world, is about God's relentless, over-the-top, never-ending, loving generosity to his people. And none of what we've seen in the Bible up until this point, where when Jesus steps in, none of this is even close to the act of generosity that he gave his son for people that didn't even like him. There were enemies, the Bible says, of him. And he gave his son to them. Not just for a little vacation to stay on the earth and hang out with humans, but to die for his people. You want to sum up Christianity and what God has done for us in one phrase? Here it is. God gave it all so we can have it all. That's what it was. Your life and my life is one of indebtedness, if we really want to be honest about it, that in a way that we can never repay. So we have life because God is generous, period. And out of an overflow of that loving generosity, we pour it out upon others. That's the first point. Let me tell you that. If you don't get to that, get that one radical point that we just talked about right there, of what God did in his generosity, you will never give freely or generously or sacrificially in a, in a sustainable way. Until you realize that you can't outgive God, you will always be stingy and insecure in the way you give and the way you use your resources. Which brings us to the last point, what Jesus did with his treasure. Look at uh, the verse 9 there, the last one. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might be rich. What did Jesus do with his treasure? I mean, we don't have to, he, he gave it up. But what was his treasure? What, what are we talking about here? So he was rich, but how was he rich? He had all his money in the bank account and out. What Jesus had, what was his treasure? He had the ultimate security with the Father within the Trinity in that relationship. Jesus constantly, when he was on the earth, talked about the idea that he was going to obey his Father because he knew the Father was never going to exploit him or demean him. He was rich in his standing with the Father and God. And as Lord of the universe, he had ultimate status and ultimate power. Things that money could not buy. 
No one can question Jesus in his glory and his wealth and his power in that way. He was utterly rich. Yet the text here says, and we know this to be true, that he became poor when he came to earth. When he came to earth in the flesh, he was utterly poor. He lived in poverty. He borrowed, he borrowed money to pay his taxes. He didn't even have a home. He rode a donkey, uh, a borrowed donkey into Jerusalem where he was going to be crucified naked. And he couldn't even be buried in his own tomb because he didn't have one. It was a borrowed tomb. He was utterly bankrupt, utterly stripped down, so he was poor, so we could be rich. Hear me out today of everything we just said. I am not talking about guilt here. If you, in some way, would improve your giving and, and do, you know, become a more generous person out of guilt or out of duty, it is not sustainable. It's not going to, you won't do it for long. If, if I'm just up here making you feel guilty or the Bible makes you feel guilty in some way, it's not sustainable. You're going to end up resenting people and resenting giving. That's not even close to what the Bible says. I'm not even saying that you should look at what God did and return the favor. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying you can't do what God did. And I'm saying that God is calling us to get off the equation. That's really what he's calling us to. Where we give without expecting. Where we don't give out of duty, but we give out of love. Where we understand we can't return all that we've been given. When we think about generosity, we have to think about God's love for us, His faithfulness, His grace to us. But we also meditate on His generosity. That's the only way we can truly fight the way that we desperately hold on to our money and our lives and our security and comfort and all the stuff. At that point, we're not worried about personal and individual financial future. And here's the thing about it. At our church, I'm not worried about our church failing or not. If it's going to be around finances, our problem's a lot bigger than that. I don't care if we ever build a church building, but if our people in our church and I become more generous in the way we interact with people and the way we handle our resources, that is success according to everything that we just talked about today. And God's kingdom will increase, and God will be glorified. Let's pray. Oh, yeah, these are things that we don't like to talk about. People say often uh, the only thing worse than talking about uh, religion with people is money. And Lord, uh, those are just things that, um, that you bring up in our word that uh, we can't tiptoe around, that we, um, that we uh, receive this truth. Lord, uh, all these passages didn't answer all the questions today, but would you uh, just provoke us? Uh, would you just work in our hearts that, that we may be a people where the people in our community look at us and they say the way they used their resources and the way they poured that out, we have no answer for outside of the power of the Father and the modeling that we have behind what Jesus did. Help us to, to take these things um, and share these. And Lord, help us to be better uh, with our resources, not just in a wise stewardship way, but in a general and sacrificial way. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.